This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short routes. Boys are back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Reception the Show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Go, Matt Harmon here with you, and you are listening to Reception Perception the Show. Matt, how are you doing today, pal? Doing good, man. Um, You know. We've got our rookie uh, content drop. This, we're going to be mm-hmm. starting on April 3rd, so prospects will start hitting the site then. And, um, you know, going after that, it's just like kind of trying to round up some more smaller sample guys in the class. So right now I'm just trying to hunt down as much film as I can uh, and, and get these rookies uh, banged out here for uh, for the good subscribers of Reception Perception. I mean, we're going to sound like uh, total, you know, uh, old heads here, but uh, it is kind of amazing, right, like the amount of footage and um – available film that's you know that's on the internet for these guys you know what i mean it used to be a really specialized thing man like you couldn't find game tape all 22 game tape uh, on none of these dudes and now i just feel like it's everywhere yeah and and uh you know you got to do some digging sometimes sometimes it's easier to find you know certain publicly available sources or, or, or stuff like that but you know no no need to out anybody on what's essentially like the 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 weirdest internet black market of all time, probably uh, <laughs> the weirdest, but tamest, but the NCAA takes yeah. everything so seriously uh, black market of all time, which is college football, all 22, which is so yes. much, uh, so much, so much harder to get than, than the NFL. So yeah, no, no, <laughs> nobody cares about that, but I think they will care about the results of these uh, rookies. It's a really, we're going to talk about it more. So obviously on our next episode, when uh, the content right. drop happens, but it's a very interesting class as a whole, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we will tease ahead. We'll talk about uh, this kid out of North Carolina, Josh Downs, in today's episode. But we'll, we'll talk. We'll get to him in just a bit. Kind of wanted to start the show here. Um, you know, listen. It, it's it, the the football news is slowing down just a little bit here, Matt. And, and I think the biggest headline, of course, uh, resides there in Baltimore. What is going on with Lamar Jackson, man? And to be honest with you. I feel like Baltimore is really fumbling this thing. You know, it's like, I feel like I I know that they could stand back and say, ah, well, you know, Hey, listen, Lamar can't go anywhere. Uh, He could just continue to play on and uh, he doesn't really have too many options, which is true, which is why, again, the, the system is, is very tilted in favor of the teams and against the players. Lamar Jackson, let it be known that, um, that, Hey, he's requested a trade. Um, didn't really get out <laughs> because he doesn't have an agent and, and, exactly. and normally an agent would be doing these type of things, but he didn't let it, let it out. Uh, and the team certainly didn't let it be known, but now Lamar just, he's like, all right, enough is enough. Okay. Uh, I, I requested trade and, and let's make, let, let's get the ball rolling here a little bit. And again, wh- Matt, when I say, Hey, listen, Baltimore's fumbled this in a number of different ways. Part of it too is why not just load up the offense for Lamar? Right. You, you've seen other teams do this, right? No, they had an opportunity. They could try to overpay and try to go get like an Odell. They could overpay and try to go get new Copkins. They could overpay, try to get, you know, uh, even the best you know guy on the on the on the market there was, was Jacoby Myers. No, no, 
They go and get Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> Come on, bro. Like what? God, Baltimore, what are we doing out here, man? Like it just doesn't make any sense. Um, I don't know. What are you, what are your thoughts on this whole Lamar Jackson thing? Well, first of all, yeah, the Nelson Aguilar signing was hilarious because it's just like the most Ravens wide receiver uh, signing ever. Like, uh, really are is. you are you on your third, fourth, or fifth team? <laughs> Perfect. Is your right, best season down. is your best season a distant memory? Come on, come on in. Oh wait, come on in, you're, baby. you're one good sneeze away from your thirties. <laughs> Buddy, you are a Baltimore Raven. That is just so true. I mean, if you look at like the, I mean, they've brought in, I saw Ian Harditz tweeted this out, like notable Ravens wide receiver free agent signing since 2018 so and their age at signing. Deshaun Jackson's 35, Des Bryant 31. And he was playing like he was 41 at that point. Michael Floyd, 30. I for, totally forgot Michael Floyd ever played for uh, Michael Baltimore Floyd, Ravens. Wow. Michael Crabtree, 30. Sammy Watkins, two times, 29 and 27. Seth Roberts, oh boy, 28 years oh old. Boy. John Brown, oh hey, hey, that was a good one. Hey, no okay. disrespect. <laughs> I love John Brown, and he actually was pretty good. He was actually like on a pace. He was on pace oh for 1,000 yards when Joe Flacco was playing in 2018. Uh, and then like Chris Moore, Demarcus Robinson, Willie Sneed. So yeah, a bunch of dudes that – are either not that good or are on the back nine of their career. Like literally John Brown, I think is the only one that was like, all right, he's kind of in the prime of his career, second team. Um, but even he was coming off a lot of like injuries and sickle cell stuff in Arizona. So yeah, they've never made right. like a, like that was kind of why I liked Jacoby Myers for them just because they've never made a signing of a guy who's like right about to kind of maybe ascend. Um, it's always these guys like Nelson Aguilar. And that, that's like, it was just a hilarious parody of that idea. But I mean, they're they're a little bit hamstrung right now just because they have Lamar on this like theoretical, non-exclusive thirty-plus million franchise tag number like sitting on their cap. But they, I mean, if they could negotiate a long-term deal with him, they could bring down that cap number and maybe bring in Nuke Hopkins, maybe bring in Odell Beckham. But they're just kind of stuck in this space. And yeah, Lamar Lamar requests a trade, but he was already available to everybody. Like anybody can right. negotiate with Lamar. So. And yeah, it is. It's funny that this he, this is a guy who's a former former MVP, you know, quarterback in the middle of middle of his career, and he requested a trade on March second. It's March twenty eighth <laughs> as we're recording this, and we're just finding this out. <laughs> I, I mean that 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 would only happen because yeah. he's representing himself. But I mean it. It's just a weird situation. But to me, I still think that e this is either going to end one or one of two ways. Like either he's going to just tail between his legs go back to the ravens and sign whatever contract they want i mean which by the way i'm not i'm sure they've offered him something pretty reasonable it's just weird we don't really know but he's either gonna have to take the take a deal with the ravens or he's gonna have to play on the franchise tag which is i mean crazy but i don't know it's it's a i just don't see a lot of actual real resolutions to this as fun as they might be i kind of understand we'll talk about these specific teams but i kind of understand why no team is wants to do a basically do the contract work for the Ravens essentially. Well, yeah, I, I, I understand that part, but at the same time, it's like, I get the draft capital going out too is pretty significant. Okay. Now that being said, um, all of these quote unquote football reasons that these teams are making up is just utter BS. And I think that's probably what sticks in my craw the most, right? It's like, <laughs> listen, man, if you want to say you don't want to pay a fully guaranteed contract, fine. You want to say, I don't want to give up first round draft capital, multiple first round picks. Fine. 
don't sit here and tell me that, like, for example, Arthur Smith just came out. Oh, we really like Ritter's makeup. Stop it. Just, just please just stop it, man. Like how many games did it take for Ritter, Desmond Ritter to get on the field? Too many. He, he, a lot of games. You know what I mean? Like too many to Marcus Mariota games last year. A too lot of way Marcus Mariota. Come on, bro. Like stop it. So Washington saying they like Sam Howell. As a matter of fact, I don't even know if they like Sam Howell because when you say we think Sam Howell could be as good as Brock Purdy, oh my god, gee. <laughs> that is like the most underhanded compliment that you could give somebody. We hope that our starting quarterback is as good as the last pick of the draft. That's what we're <laughs> hoping for. We we hope that he can be as good as Brock Purdy. Like guys, what are we talking? I mean, Washington with Lamar would be interesting as all get out. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. they've got the playmakers all over the field. That's why I was saying, I thought Aaron Rodgers should have gone there, but I mean, stop making up these like football related reasons as to why you don't like a former MVP in the prime of his career. Stop it. They are one team, Washington. I, I think in terms of teams that could potentially make a move, I think the Colts could make a move. They they've also not ruled it out. Uh, Jim Mercer said, "I'm not doing no guaranteed contracts." Like, yeah, right. that's bad for the sport. Which we could argue that till the cows come home, but. There's just no point. Like the owners don't want to do the guaranteed contract. Only one owner wanted to do the guaranteed contract, Jimmy Haslam, during the Deshaun Watson stuff. And that was because he was desperate. Like, I think that's what people forget was the Browns were out of the Deshaun Watson thing. And we all, I know there's all like legit, I mean, very legitimate reasons that that was gross all the way around to to begin with. But the Browns had been told and it was public that they were out. They were out of the the Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson stuff. And we know that was true because Watson has a powerful agent who will leak to the media. No problem. So um, <laughs> right. any sort of right. discussion, like uh, discussion otherwise is ridiculous. But so it was like between the Falcons, I think the Saints, the Panthers, basically. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe I'm, I'm misremembering. But regardless, the Browns are out. And then the Browns said, we will give you the fully guaranteed 200 plus million dollar contract. And that is why Deshaun Watson became a Brown. And it, that was really where this whole Lamar Jackson thing starts, because Steve Bishotti said right afterwards, like, that's going to make things tough when it comes to our guy, which Baltimore should have just got the done the deal done when like Josh Allen signed his new deal with the Bills because because right. they're from the same draft class. So they waited too long to do it. It's always a bad idea if you wait too long. Like the second your quarterback is eligible, you should extend him because that deal is going to age well. But I say all that to say that it's just been a long, complicated, whining process. It's, I think it's going to continue to be a long, complicated process. But Washington is interesting to me, James, because we found out today that there's two fully funded offers in to buy the team. Um, Adam Schefter reported that, that they're two, they've got two offers. So if right. this thing sells if Washington sells and they have um two like they have a new owner Dan Snyder's out I could see the new ownership group saying to you know their their football people because this is an owner level decision if you're going to make this move say hey you know what we're gonna we will go try to pry Lamar Jackson and give up two first round picks and make a big splash and just be that finishing touch I could see that but again that's so pie in the sky and so many things have to fall uh, right but I take your point that it is 
that would be a very fun spot for Lamar Jackson. And because of the new ownership stuff, that's the one team that I kind of squint at and say, I could see some, you know, big fat cat billionaire wanting to make a big splash <laughs> right away, owning the Washington commanders, oh, yeah. getting it really, oh, getting yeah. them really excited, uh, the fans and everything. And, and that would certainly do it. Yeah, that would, uh, that would be great. And like I said, I, it would, listen, it, it would rejuvenate the fan base. It would get butts in the seat. I mean, if you want to jack up ticket prices to kind of, you know, ease that sale price, a best way to do that is to say, Hey, we got a title contender right here, right now. Let's go. Yeah. And I think Lamar Jackson, you parachute in Lamar Jackson on that team. Yes. They are in the NFC, in the NFC. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bruh. Yes. They are automatically in the running for the Super Bowl for sure. hundred percent. No doubt in my mind. Yep. I I think they're, it is kind of tough because I think the two of the three best teams in the NFC are in the NFC East right now, as weird as that is to say, the Philadelphia yep. Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I don't think they'd be better than Philadelphia with Lamar Jackson, but I could hear a conversation that maybe they're better than the Cow. And I love the Cowboys roster. I think the Cowboys roster is yeah. really, really good. I love the Brandon Cooks trade. Love everything they've done this offseason, but... I could see if you plop Lamar Jackson with Eric Bieniemy running that offense now with Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel. Right oh now, that that could be a that oh would boy. be a really Brian Robinson. I like as a running back. I think they <laughs> yes, have some pieces 100%. on the offensive line. They could put up a lot of points, but again, it just it just does feel that like whatever contract Lamar gets offered, you know, whether it's you know fifty to sixty to seventy percent guaranteed at signing, like the Ravens are just going to match it. And he'll just like, that's the thing that's tough is he's not really available for trade because I think there's a, I saw Brad, uh, Brad Spiegler from pro football focus, right. That you can't actually trade for more comp Like you can't trade him for more compensation than the two first round picks on the franchise, not exclusive franchise tag. So mm -hmm. that's just tough. It's just really Lamar's in a tough spot because of this franchise tag, the franchise tag situation. Well, let me ask you this though. This is, this is where it gets really interesting. As you mentioned, like, let's say this, you know, this, this, you know, a fun billionaire comes in and saves Washington, right? And they're like, all right, we'll give him a fully guaranteed contract. Does Baltimore then say, all right, fine, we'll we'll go ahead and match a fully guaranteed? I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know, know, I don't necessarily know if Bashadi would do that, to be honest with you. Yeah. And it would kind of suck if it was Washington that ends up giving you two first round picks because Washington has been stuck in this purgatory where they can't, they don't, suck enough right. to be in like exactly the top five they get the 16th overall pick and it's like well <laughs> we're not we're not we're certainly not getting any quarterbacks in this I mean. year's draft uh so that That's would kind of I mean. suck to, if that ends so up you're being getting, the team you're getting a mid-round first round pick for for this you know upcoming draft and then again you you plop you know lamar jackson so now you're going to get a low first round your second pick is going to be a low first round pick right so uh, again, I, if you're Washington, I think that's ideal for you. If you make, if you go ahead and sign them to a fully guaranteed contract, cause yeah, you're giving up two first, but it, it's like, what are, what's the value of those two first? You know what I mean? It's like, you're not giving up, you know, top five draft capital here at, at, at any point, which is great. I love it. Uh, yeah. I mean, it would be awesome. I, I just like, man, I, I just don't want to get too excited about anything <laughs> with Lamar because I actually think what this is going to be is like it's going to yeah. drag into August and it's going to be really, really ugly and really, really tedious. Yeah, um, it's oh, I sure. mean, frankly, it's already kind of tedious. But yeah, I I guess in the multiverse where Lamar Jackson's suiting up for the commanders and new owners, man, I, you know, I'm you know, obviously I grew up around that area. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, I've been to, been to many uh, Washington games in my youth and. 
I, I mean, my come up to football was, you know, watching Jason Campbell dump off passes to Mike Sellers for like Joe Gibbs's <sighs> second run around. And nice. that would be, <laughs> that would be a hell of a thing for the commanders fans that I know wow. that, you know, the, the tortured among them to suddenly look at that team and say, <clears throat> not only are we rid of Dan Snyder, we also have Lamar Jackson and all these guys. That would be, yeah. that would be pretty sick. But, um, you know, James, honestly, we're, we're really burying the news. The biggest Ravens news of the week. Did you, you missed it, I guess. But, uh, John Harbaugh, you know, right before Lamar, Lamar Jackson gets out there and, you know, tries to dunk on him through the, you know, or get him, get him in, get him on the hot seat with the tweet thread. Lamar, yeah. uh, John Harbaugh let us know that Rashad Bateman quote is going to have a big season. <laughs> That's right. I'm a big believer in Rashad okay, Bateman. Yeah. He's going to come back ready to roll. So yeah, that was great. That was funny how it too, like the social team only clipped that one. I noticed for the Ravens, uh, they clipped the Rashad Bateman thing. They didn't meant they didn't do any, uh, or maybe maybe they did i don't know but you know i don't know this whole michael thomas thing about like you know you hear about him not being 100 percent after the toe surgery and we've seen his career obviously get you know completely derailed here over the last few seasons i don't know what is your confidence level and i know neither one of us are are medical you know experts or whatever but what's your confidence level here in rashad bateman man i'm a little worried that we may never see that dominant x receiver that we saw yeah. Um, coming out of school. God, I know. And I'm, I'm going to be so upset if that's the case, because he just checked so many boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I've mentioned this on, I think I've mentioned it on the show. Maybe, maybe I haven't, but, um, you know, I've been working on a project for reception perception where, um, after I get all these rookie profiles up, I'm doing a, I'm going to be putting together a rankings for, you know, the last three draft classes combined, but what I thought of these guys as prospects, uh, Bateman right now is my eighth overall guy from the last three draft classes. Like that's how high wow. I, I was on Rashad Bateman. And uh, wow. man, I, I, I mean, it will be a real shame. And, you know, it, it just makes me think about, you know, there's obviously always going to be haters who'd be like, yeah, well you were too high on Bateman and you know, stupid, stupid stuff. But um, it makes me think of the, you know, his kind of like Twitter outburst when, uh, you know, Eric DaCosta sort of flamed the receivers at yeah. the combine and right. the NFL PA report about how the Ravens have like the worst training staff in the NFL. They got an F minus <laughs> and that's the strength and conditioning thing. And it makes you think, and, and all these other like former Ravens were like, yeah, that place ruined my career. <laughs> that that oh strength and conditioning like ruined my career. So uh, if, if that does happen to Bateman, that will be very sad. But um, in a hypothetical world, if he comes back and he's fully healthy, man, I still have all the faith in the world in that guy. I think he's a he's a legit baller. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. 
This is Reception Perception, the show. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Okay, so another young wide receiver that uh, we talked about last week, and, and literally as we spoke, uh, we were trying to convince the Jets through mental telepathy that, uh, hey, you got to hold on to Elijah Moore. He's this young, up-and-coming, could be an absolute stud. Ah, yeah, and then uh, 24 hours later, the guy's traded to the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> I, you know, and, and this is the thing, too. You talk about the Browns making some savvy moves here. I, I mean, first of all, you think about the trade they made for Amari Cooper. They gave up absolutely nothing. And then for this one, too, for Elijah Moore, I, I mean, okay, yeah, they're swapping second and third round picks, uh, but I don't think they gave up very much at all to go get Elijah Moore. I, I thought this was an awesome trade for Cleveland. You give uh, Elijah Moore, again, this young up-and-coming player, uh, room to operate in, in a team that is in need of a number two wide receiver, uh, potentially number one wide receiver, really, if you want to talk about Amari Cooper, but just Cooper and Elijah Moore there with Cleveland, with Deshaun Watson now, um, you know, trying to get back in shape too. Uh, I tell you what, he makes Cleveland's passing attack way more interesting. Yeah, way more interesting. And I think Cleveland's passing attack will be way more interesting overall. There's been a lot of whispers in the offseason that they want to open this thing up. Like they want to make this a pat, like more of a passing offense than it has been in Cleveland uh, recently. That makes yeah, sense that too happen. because <laughs> really I, I kind of do because I I do really like Kevin Stefanski as an offensive designer and as a play caller. And I think I think I they've like played I think they've played to their strengths recently, which their running back room has been like absurdly deep. And it's just not anymore. Like Dearness Johnson's gone, Kareem Hunt's gone. Um, you know, he I mean he's still out there in free agency. Maybe they bring him back, yeah. but I that that would be you know possible, but either way, like he wasn't very good last year, anyways. And you know Nick Chubb at this point, like he's the he's the only guy in the backfield. But mm-hmm. there, if Deshaun Watson is a that's the big if, right? Like, and I don't give Deshaun Watson like a you know the benefit of the doubt for this or anything, or like oh let's let's be sensitive to Watson because this was a problem that he created. Uh, you know if he he didn't have you know the full off season with the team last year, he obviously was suspended. Right. A lot of off field stuff going on, so. Maybe in Cleveland's mind, they're like, all right, full off season with the team. The legal stuff's behind him, theoretically. Um, he'll be better this year. And if he's better this year, then yeah, they now all of a sudden they have the horses to really open this thing up because I've kind of thought all offseason that Cleveland was sneaky, one of the best receiver landing spots out there because they so yeah, desperately yeah. needed a number two receiver. Like we talked about DPJ at some point during the season. I think he's a fine three, but he's like just a guy. And um, he'll maybe stretch the field out for you a little bit. But, you know, Elijah Moore is exactly the type of player they need a guy to get open, potentially to play in the slot, but can also play outside. Like, I think this is a huge win for Elijah Moore to come. I would have been great to see him with the Green Bay Packers for sure. But I mean, excuse me, with the with, with the Green Bay Packers <laughs> quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, uh, slip, slip of the right. tongue there. Yes, but yes, yes. if Watson rebounds. Um, I, I think I think this is a great spot for Elijah Moore, who it sounds like from what I heard that the Jets weren't planning on trading Elijah Moore, but then they started getting a bunch of calls when they signed McCole Hardman and they signed Alan Lazard and team, you know, that was really what kind of a- ended up move like moving the situation forward. So um, I, I think it's a pretty big win for Elijah Moore uh, going from New York to Cleveland. All right, so I, I want to wrap up the Cleveland thing, and then I'll get into the Jets here, a Jet side of things. But <clears throat> listen, they've got a good offensive line. Um, you talk about Stefanski maybe trying to open it up a little bit, and I'm very skeptical because at, at what point in Stefanski's 
NFL career have we ever really seen that, right? Uh, when he was <laughs> the offensive coordinator with Minnesota, they ran the ball. Now you could say, okay, that was Zimmer. Zimmer had an identity. He wanted to run the ball, play good defense. I get, I buy that. Okay. And then in Cleveland, you say, well, they didn't really have a quarterback and they're going to have to run that ball. I can buy that too. I'm just saying there was never a point in Stefanski's, you know, offensive play calling history in the NFL has, have they ever quote unquote opened it up? Um, And I will also say, I think he, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay have the best offensive run systems in the NFL. All, I mean, first of all, they're all very similar, right? They're all based on this whole primarily outside zone run concepts. Uh, but regardless, whether we're talking power, <clears throat> power football, where we're talking finesse football, it doesn't matter. They, they've got run plays out the yin yang, man. Um, and I love what Steph- Kevin Stefanski has done in the run game there in Cleveland, what he did in the run game there in Minnesota. So uh, that's his bread and butter. I have real doubts uh, that they quote unquote open it up. But can I also say this though? If I, and I'm not here to, 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 to give you the whole boomer idea of you got to establish the run, but I will say that when you have good balance and the threat of a good run game, certainly things can open up uh, in the passing game as well. So I'm not saying establish the run. I'm just saying when you know you're playing a Kevin Stefanski team, Matt, you know you're going to get a good run game. And defensive coordinators on the other sideline, they've got to prepare. Yeah, I don't think they're about to become like top five in the NFL in pass attempts or anything like that. But I think from where they've been from a design perspective, even like the last year of Baker Mayfield, the last two years of Baker Mayfield, how about Baker Mayfield's good year in Cleveland (laughs) under Stephen Skafanski in 2020? It was pretty clear like it was keep the train on the tracks, keep the train on the tracks. Like let's, we just got to keep Baker in this little box. And as long as he's in this little box, he won't screw this up. And even Jacoby Brissett, as I've talked really you know highly about Jacoby Brissett, how he played last year, that was very much like a game manager heavy offense. So I'm not even For necessarily sure. saying from a volume perspective uh, they'll they'll be like top five, but I think they could be a more aggressive passing team from a design perspective and maybe a volume perspective than they have been of late. Yeah. Uh, in the uh, by the way, beyond even Amari Cooper and now Elijah Moore, David and Joku had a real breakout season last mm-hmm. year. I love this young kid, Harrison Bryant, too, another tight end. Um, so, man, I tell you what, uh, they do have some really interesting athletic now uh, pass catchers there in Cleveland. And again, that offensive line, I think, still really rock solid, too. Uh, so this is a this is a unit that could really make some noise. Um, and just the Elijah Morthe trade too. It's like if the like I think the Browns were going to have to draft a receiver this year because they weren't necessarily going to make like the Hopkins trade or something like that. Right. I think ranking like if Elijah Moore was in this draft class, like him as a prospect, and I really my opinion on him hasn't really changed since he came into the NFL. I know he had a weird year last year. We kind of talked kind of talked throughout in the last podcast. Yeah, I think he'd right. be the second best receiver in this class behind uh behind Jackson Smith and Jigba. So, like it's a great mm. it's just a great trade from a value perspective there. I love it. Um I absolutely love it. And they did, really didn't give up that much. Again, they gave up a second round pick, but then they're getting a third round pick back, right? Yeah. So, um, boy, I, I tell you, man, I thought it was a great trade uh for Cleveland. I thought they absolutely hit uh, an absolute home run. 
uh, bringing in Elijah Moore. Okay, now on the other side, though, for the Jets, it's like when I saw the McCole Hardman signing, I I I just kind of figured Elijah Moore's out of there. And, and to yeah. me, Matt, I, I don't know, man. Like the Jets got to do some self-scouting or something, bro. Like, come on, man. Like you can't look at – you can't be like, all right, well, we got Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore. We, we, we should be cooking. And then you're like, all right, well, you know what? We're going to then bring in Al Lazard and Miko Hardman. We're good. <laughs> like what? Come on guys. Like, what are you, what are we doing out here? Come on. That's not, that's not good. That is not good. Scout. I'm sorry, but that's just not good scouting, man. Like what is happening? Like give me Elijah Moore ahead of both of those guys any day of the week. Um, I just don't understand, you know, like I really, I really, Matt, do not understand why you bring in Hardman and you feel as if that makes Elijah more expendable. It just drives me nuts. I cannot understand it. I think what the, what basically what the, um, Jets wanted was they did see value in getting the other second round pick because that's going to be part of the Rogers trade. It sounds like what's going to happen is they're going to send a second round pick this year and a second round pick next year, but they want that second round pick to have some assurances from the, like not assurances, but some like baked in protection that if Rogers, this is was Charles Robinson reported this from Yahoo and um, that like they, that's the kind of the sticking point right now is they want some protection from the Packers that if Rogers just <laughs> goes back to being 90% retired this time next year, they can, they get a little bit back. They don't have to give a full second next year, but anyways, they wanted the extra second <clears> round <throat> pick. I think it's part of the Rogers stuff. Um, but yeah, the, from a just brass tack standpoint, their receiver room is Garrett Wilson and a bunch of Jags right now. I, you know, cause <laughs> Corey is, Davis, Corey come Davis on. is, is a good player, but is he, I could still, I could see him either being part of the Packers trade. I could see him being cut. I could see him being traded to another team. Hard to see him on this roster. So then it's, I mean, and McCole Hardman is like not a real receiver. He's like a gadget guy. Like Elijah Moore yeah. is a real big boy wide receiver, despite like being a slot guy and smaller, like McCole Hardman slot and small, whatever, but they're just not similar players. So, Hey, I'll tell you what though, at this point, this is going to be like Garrett Wilson's going to get like 150 targets from Aaron Rodgers oh, yeah. next year, which, oh, yeah. which, oh, yeah. <laughs> which in, in the long run, probably a good thing. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm happy for Garrett Wilson dynasty managers. Fine. <laughs> okay. But yeah. again, this, this podcast and this show in particular, we kind of sort of blur that line between real football and, and, you know, and the fake stuff. Right. So, and I get it. So listen, if you've got Garrett Wilson in Dynasty and you want to draft him early next year, I'm all for it, man. Like, trust me, I'm going to have Garrett Wilson as a potential, you know, superstar uh, when when I start doing rankings in into 2023. But from a real football standpoint, Matt, I'm just so disappointed, man. Like, me too. Yeah, the Jets had a real, real opportunity to have a special passing attack. And to be frank, I, I mean, look, if the running backs come back and like, you know, if if they're as good as as we think they can be, uh, the run game would have been real solid, too. So this Jets offense had a real chance to be special in 2023. You take Elijah Moore off and now they're back to being just another NFL team trying to get by with one great receiver and then trying to figure out the holes everywhere else. And so again, they go from having a real strength mat 
to then just being another NFL team. And, yeah. and that's what makes me, I just, I was disappointed in it. Definitely disappointed. Um, and I think the Jets are disappointed with the way this played out too. Like I listened to Robert Sala talk and he's always been really complimentary of Elijah Moore. And I think he said like, we kind of have to, we kind of have to see like on our end, like why this fell apart with a, with a guy that even after the trade happened, he's like, this is a good player. And we're, we, it was disappointing to lose him. So I think they definitely have to, and look, I've always said too, I love Elijah Moore, the player, but I don't love how he handled things last year. And I think that was sure. a big, a big, big part of it. But um, from just a pure football perspective too, like I think the jets are counting on, Hey, our defense is going to be as good as it was last year. Our run game is going to be as good as it was last year when Brees Hall was healthy. And we're going to plop Aaron Rodgers in here and he's going to have, he's going to basically be like, just like he like what, like it was with the Packers in those two NFC championship runs where they had one alpha receiver and then a bunch of dudes like moving along with him. But that's, it's tough to count on because defense doesn't always translate year to year. No, nope. Brees Hall's coming off of an injury, even if it's not yep. like a, it's not a Javante Williams or JK Dobbins type in the injury. It's still a ACL recovery. Um, your offensive line, you got to get some guys back after injury. And that was Aaron Rodgers two and three years ago. And I don't think Rodgers is washed at all, but I also don't think he's, I think from a physical standpoint, he's not as good as he was. He's not as good as he was a couple of years ago. So there's a lot of things that they're counting on to just plop Rodgers in and maybe we're, Hey, we're, we're, we're not a very big voluminous passing attack. We have one alpha and a bunch of Jags, but our run games would be good enough. Our defense is going to be good enough. And sometimes that doesn't carry over year over year. So it is, it is a risk what the, what the jets are playing with right now. I think what the Jets are doing too, it's like you think about that. And again, that leaves you, you're, I talk about this all the time in the NFL. You want to have the biggest margin for error possible in the NFL because in the NFL, man, things go awry and they go sideways quick. So everything that you just listed out on paper sounds great until one injury hits. Again, yep. another injury hits. Uh, some guys, maybe it's not an injury. Maybe th there's a depreciation of talent here. Okay. Like there's a lot of things that go wrong. And all of a sudden that margin for error shrinks considerably. Because again, when you have Elijah Moore in the mix and people are saying, well, why are you guys spending, why are you guys think Elijah Moore's not a superstar? I get it. I get, he's not a superstar, but you want to have as much ta a talent buffer as possible in the very ultra competitive AFC. And that margin for error all of a sudden shrunk down considerably, considerably when you send a young and ascending talent to Cleveland. That's, that's all I'm saying. And, and I tell you what, could it all work out? Absolutely. But I tell you, don't be surprised if it doesn't. Don't be surprised if it falls apart because again, that margin for error shrunk down considerably, man. So that would be my thought um, on Elijah Moore and the Jets, and then now Elijah Moore in Cleveland. And again, I think Cleveland uh, making a great trade here. This is Reception Perception, the show. Now, James Cole and Matt Harmon. All right, speaking of uh, wide receiver signings, how about DJ Chark signing there in Carolina? Um, Matt, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. Um, this is when you sign Adam Thielen and then you go and sign DJ Chark, 
it's one of those things where like I know that the fan base is probably going to get a little bit bit excited, but this is like one of those classic moves or a classic pair of moves where on paper you're like, oh, Carolina improved their wide receiver room. And then in real life you realize, oh, Adam Thielen's old and DJ Chark is injured and not good. And all of a sudden everything falls apart. So <laughs> um, I, 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 I've just seen this story too often. Am I wrong? Well, uh, about DJ Chark, I mean, and and Adam Thielen, you got to remember that after they traded DJ Moore, which I know it sucks to lose DJ Moore, but at the end of the day, it's a trade you have to make because you can have DJ Moore and a bad quarterback play and you're the 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022 Panthers. That was not <laughs> fun. Um, so if you've got to part with DJ Moore to get up to number one overall to take, uh, I still hope you it's CJ that. Stroud. You yeah, do, you it. do that. Yeah. Um, and, but, but the receiver room that was left after that was a disaster. I mean, it was like, oh, it's Terrace Marshall, who's been one of the worst reception perception performers in the last two seasons. It's LaVisca Chenault, who's not a real wide receiver. It's Shy Smith, who's like a bottom really? of the roster player. I mean, that's like, hey, that's, that's not good. So no. if you're paying, I think they paid Thielen a lot of money. I don't think DJ Chark's, um, I think it's 2019 season, you know, it, just looking at his success rate versus man coverage the last three years or the last, the last four years of his career, 2019, 69%, 2020, 59.1%, 2021, 50%. You don't want to be below 50%. Okay. You don't want to be around that 50% <laughs> mark just, just to be super, super yeah. clear. And then last year in Detroit, right. um, he's right around there, 51.6%. Uh, the separation ability's definitely um gone down for him considerably. You know, people talking about hey, he ran a four three coming in the league. Who cares? He's had a, he's sustained a ton of lower body injuries. Correct. He's just you know, uh, right. Frank Reich even said this week that he just underwent like an ankle procedure. Yeah. Ankles uh, things have been haunting him forever. I mean, he's he just doesn't he just doesn't open. He doesn't get open. He's he wins downfield, but it's all like jump ball stuff at this point. Yep. which is a great is a great trait. He's very, he's a very good ball winner downfield tracks the ball. Well, wins and contested situations, but not a separator. That being said, like he's a passable number three receiver in the league. Adam Thielen's probably a passable starting receiver in the league. You're better than you were. You can't, you can't drop CJ Stroud into a Terrace Marshall, LaVisca Chenault receiver core. <laughs> it looks a little bit better when it's like, okay, Adam Thielen, you know, a veteran zone beating player and uh, DJ Chark, like a jump ball specialist downfield. It looks a little bit better when you're talking about that. 36.8% uh, of his routes, according to your uh, charting, was downfield, the corner nine and post routes there in 2022 for the Detroit Football Lions. Uh, not all that successful, 41.9% uh, success rate on the nines. 58.6% uh, success rate on the post. That's actually not too bad. Um, but a 26.3% success rate on the corner. That's not very good at all. Uh, going back, digging into some of, more of your uh, RP data here, though. Um, okay. Uh, look, I get it. Like a lot of his, again, we, we talked about more than a third of his routes, almost nearly 40% of his routes are, are going downfield. But Fifth percentile score against man, that's not good. And then, <laughs> am I reading this right? Uh, uh, a first percentile score against zone? <laughs> yes. Yep. First? Yep. Oh, oh boy. Oh boy. That, uh, that's not Not ideal. good. 
But again, like the guy he's probably replacing Terrace Marshall, probably that and like a little worse based on his. First are we two are we sure he's replacing yeah. Terrace Marshall? Well, I mean, it depends on what they do in the draft. Uh, I, I also think, by the way, like DJ Chark's on a one-year deal. I know they tacked like a yeah. bunch of void years and stuff on it, and, like they so did. they can you know signing bonus all that stuff. But, it's like, a one-year deal. It, I think there's a chance that hey, if DJ Chark comes into camp and like all this off-season stuff, like he's hurt again, like yeah, they just I, I think it's either going to be him or Terrace Marshall in that X receiver wor- role that is mostly a jump ball guy, mostly a crossing route guy, mostly, mostly running deep routes. Um, and Adam Thielen will be like your zone beating flanker. Maybe he plays some big slot, but I also think yeah. like a 39th overall, there's a lot of options for them in terms of like a, a guy that can get separation. Yeah. Um, you know, and right. they still have a second round pick despite this big number one overall uh, trade up. So I just think that DJ Chark and Adam Thielen's about getting like, co- like competent NFL players, flawed players for sure. Um, <laughs> with Thielen and especially with Chark, but and, and maybe Marshall gets into the mix here. But yeah, I, I just think it's about getting competent guys around. You know, the NFL, like the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Hey, um, okay, so I <clears throat> for maybe if you're new to the show, uh, I, I know I know your feelings on Terrace Marshall, but I'll ask you this question again. Um, I've asked you this question before. Maybe you revisited this idea. I don't know. Terrace Marshall. Is there a path for him um, to tap into that? His again, you look at his athletic measurements, and boy, I tell you, great athlete. Can't translate into route running and, and the nuances of playing football. But is there a path forward uh, for him to kind of tap into that athletic prowess? And I liked Terrace Marshall a little bit as like a second round pick in the NFL draft the year that he came in. Um, oh, I love so. Him. Yeah, yeah, and, and we liked his ability. If you go back and look at his route charts from from the 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 prospect data that year, um, and you know, I was like in terms of these guys that I like I said I've stacked the last three classes together. He was still comes out at like twenty second in terms of ranking the classes together the last three years. So not like a stud prospect or anything, but I didn't think he'd be this bad. But there was definitely signs of like he needed to have work as a route runner, but he was really good on slants and go routes uh, as a collegiate prospect, which is why we thought he'd fit better in the X receiver role, which he had some moments in last year, not that slot receiver role um, that he was playing last year, but I'll read what I wrote on the in-season tracker uh, for Terrace Marshall last year. Uh, Marshall checked in as a rookie with one of the worst RP profiles ever charted. A role change in 2022 has helped him a bit. Marshall played a ton of slot receiver as a rookie, but has almost exclusively operated as a vertical outside X receiver option this season, taking 92.4% of his snaps outside and on the line of scrimmage for 84% in this sample. His overall success rates are still very poor at 40.7% versus man coverage and 64.5% versus zone. 40.7%, by the way, James, is is, is lower than DJ Chark. Uh, he quite <laughs> literally only wins on slants, yeah. r- slant routes at 80% and nine routes at 58.8%. I have a bit more hope for Marshall in this role than his previous rookie year spot. However, if he still, I, however, I still think if he sticks, he lands somewhere on the lower end of the Devonte Parker access of wide receivers. So Parker, Chark, Terrace Marshall, this is all the same bucket of like throwback X receiver that doesn't get open, but wins like jump balls. So I don't know if, if, if you want to call that hope, I probably wouldn't, but maybe he could fall somewhere on the axis of receivers. (laughs) I'll ask a follow-up question to that. Um, You've got all that data in front of you. You, You've charted hundreds of guys. How often or how rare is it uh, to see a guy, and look, 
I know you get tired of this comp all the time, but Devonte Adams, you charted his rookie year, uh, and wasn't good at all. Um, I think that's, I think that I'm correct in saying that you are correct. Um, yeah. yep. And, and obviously he developed into quite literally the, the absolute poster child of reception percent, like the best route runner you could find, um, in the NFL. I know it's rare, but how rare is it? Uh, and, and you know, again, I don't want to make comparisons between freaking Devonte Adams and, and, you know, Terrace Marshall, for God's sake. So I'm, I'm just trying to get a sense of, okay, how rare is it? And, and, and again, if you're trying to look for a little bit of silver lining, a little bit of hope or something with Terrace Marshall, you know, that would be what you gravitate towards. You know, I know it's more anecdotal than it is data driven, but again, just from, what you've kind of sort of seen around the NFL and the guys that you've charted, how rare is that to actually happen? Extremely rare. Um, I actually think that it's helpful to look at like the bottom 10 of reception perception, success rate versus man coverage finishers. Um, and we can throw out rookie or Cooper cup cause he was incredible against zone coverage and he was, and he's a slot player. So who cares about that? Um, right. but Justin Hunter, 31.9%. Terrace Marshall, 39.5% in his, in, in their rookie. Well, I think it was Justin Hunter's second year in 2014. Terrace Marshall is obviously his rookie year. Jalen Rager is at the bottom there at 40.8%. Uh, Devonte oh, wow. Parker's rookie season at 42.9%. Marquise Lee's rookie season at 44.1%. Um, and then you get to Devonte Adams there at 47% his rookie year. Um, the next guy on the list though, is like it's Devin Funches at 47.5% in his rookie year. Um, so like, I think that kind of paints how on likely it is that you're suddenly going to become you know the next like Devonte adams like I, they're obviously but i think the, the rager um hunter group is like the total flame outs you know like that's yeah. within the range of outcomes like oh uh-huh. this guy's just like not really an nfl player although rager like might be able to stick as a fourth receiver special teamer but regardless like not really an off like not a guy that's going to contribute on offense in the nfl um but i think like Devonte parker is a good example of a guy who's like he could give you some years but parker is like an i don't even think an average starting nfl receiver i think he's like under a, a, a below average X receiver that shouldn't really be like a big part of your passing game. Very much like DJ Chark, by the way, <laughs> you know, uh, who, who's, who's 2021 seasons kind of near this range. Um, yeah. I also think like Marquise Lee's a, a, a guy that he's not, he washed out of the NFL, but he gave you, he was like, right. he had one decent season. So I think that's sort of like, there's the range there. The extremely unlikely is that they become the best receiver in football in Devontae Adams. <laughs> the more likely is that they either wash out of the league or give right. you a couple like random decent years. Like I think Parker and Marquise Lee to a lesser extent did. And then obviously Devin Funches, even he had like one relatively okay year. Uh, yeah, playing with an MVP quarterback in in Cam Newton, right? But (laughs) so barring that, you know, but I I will say though, I really like the comp with, um, Devontae Parker, to be honest with you. Um, I feel like that's a, they, they have similar bodies, similar athleticism, uh, similar skill sets. Uh, the Marquise Lee one was uh, a little bit, again, a lot of those guys that you mentioned are undersized and or bad athletes, right? So like Devin Funches, for example, was a tall guy, but I mean, again, uh, he was like two cheeseburgers away from playing tight end. You know what I mean? He did eventually so, play. He was didn't, didn't I know. sign him as a tight end. Hey, S- Sammy thought- Watkins is also on this list too, 49.5%, oh, okay. which I think people would find surprising. But like 
Sammy Watkins has had even in reception perception, not just raw stats, has has one has had one good year, like one year above sixty four percent success rate versus man, zero years above seventy seven percent success rate versus zone. Like he's mm. always been a really inconsistent, I think, ultimately very disappointing NFL player. But you know, another oh, yeah. guy that like that I think we we'd we'd say is belongs in this group of guys who in their first years really struggled to beat man coverage and were outside receivers. All right. So there you go. Yeah. I really, really like that. Um, you know, I, I think Sammy Watkins is probably a good, uh, decent cop too, but I think the Devonte Parker one, that one really hits home for me. So if Terrace Marshall can end up being Devonte Parker and I, and I know you're saying, Oh, well, you know, it, it, he'd be better served as a number three. I mean, Hey, listen, Devonte Parker has stuck around the NFL for quite a while. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So, uh, I think Terrace Marshall, if he can find that, uh, level of success. I think that'd be a win. I think that would be an Huge absolute win, win uh, for him. Just, I mean, even professionally and, and financially, I mean, Parker's made a little bit of coin, dude, you know, that's not bad. Yeah. Parker obviously was like a first round draft pick where Marshall was a second rounder, but yeah, for sure. I think that would be a huge win for the Panthers too. Like, again, I think, people are t- we're talking about DJ Chark right now cuz his signing just happened but yeah and I'm not a, I'm not even like a big Terrace Marshall fan I'm just saying that like these guys are on the same axis of wide receivers and if if Marshall outplays Chark this year I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked so yeah all right there you go um okay so next week um it's the big week all right because uh, people go crazy for this stuff man but prospects in 2023 we're talking wide receiver prospects um we're going to talk about jackson smith and jigba jordan addison quentin johnston uh zay flowers and jalen hyatt uh next week i'm, I'm teasing here a little bit but i want to i want to throw a little chum you know into the waters get get the sharks ready man um i want to talk about josh downs uh there from north carolina those other guys, Matt, they're they're you know again uh, highly regarded prospects in this year's draft class. I know this year's draft class not necessarily doesn't have like the stars or whatever it is, but Josh Downs is one of these guys that um, is an intriguing prospect. I don't know a ton about Josh Downs. Hey, listen, you got to forgive me here. I didn't watch a lot of North Carolina football. <laughs> okay, so not a, Josh wait, you're Downs, not a, you're not a Drake May bro. I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> nah, man. I saw Jay. I saw. I, I saw. I saw him play about one game, and I, and I was like, I get why people are excited. And I'm like, nope, I'm good. Um, but I did not see a lot of Josh Downs Fair uh, football. But uh, what can you tell me? Uh, I know you haven't gotten the full sample in yet on Josh <laughs> yeah. Downs, but what have what have you seen thus far uh, on the kid out of North Carolina? Yeah, I wanted to talk about him because uh, I was tweeting about him today. Uh, shout out to our, our friends at Bud Light. We're uh, engaging with the tweet, too. Um, there you go. You know, so sponsor the pod already, Bud Light. What are we doing? Come on. Uh, let's go. Yeah, seriously. Give us the Bud Light bag. I mean, at least, I mean, they've already, never mind. Anyway, po- point is, I was saying that I was like, <laughs> I will buy I will buy a ton of beer for anybody who can get me some more Josh Downs all 22 because uh, I've only got three games in. I'm, I'm trying to get some more, um, because, yeah. and I want to get some more because those three games are really fun. And there I was, uh, it's fresh in my mind. Cause it was what I was working on before we got on the pod here. Ah, man, this guy's going to be like my favorite second round prospect in this draft wow. for sure, because he just got, I love, you know, I love players like this, the guys that just know how to get open. And that's this dude. I mean, he is so just electric as a, as a separator, uh, as a route runner. Um, he's mostly a slot receiver. 
Get ready for that. There's a lot of slot receivers in this draft class. <laughs> a ton. Um, oh my God. There's so many. And by the way, the there it's a lot of small slots. And the one dude who's like a big wide receiver, Quinton Johnson, might play smaller than all of them. But we'll talk about that on the next episode. <laughs> um J- Josh Downs, again, the three games I have right now, 72.3% success or 72.3% uh slot rate. But just a 78.2% success rate versus man, 84% success rate versus zone. I think the more games that get in the sample, the, the more those numbers will go down. But that's an awesome start for a, a three-game uh, sample here. Really knows how to beat coverage at all three levels. Um, I think especially you know, routes like the dig, route like, routes like the slant. Um, but really, you see him win on some uh, outbreaking routes as well. I think he can really be... Uh, a big time separator on the inside. Um, I, you know, I don't know that he's like 171 pounds, you know, I don't yeah, know that he's ever going to be, I don't know that he's ever going to be like an outside receiver at that size, but I mean, we're talking about a league that plays a ton of 11 personnel. If you're in the second yeah. round and you're looking for a guy like, I mean, Hey, the Panthers, I think they'd be a great fit with the Carolina Panthers because they need someone to, to potentially get open after all those guys we just talked about earlier. Um, maybe are not separators. You know, CJ Stroud made a lot of big plays with Jackson Smith and Jigba as a slot receiver. Right. He'd be a fun fit with CJ Stroud there. So yeah, I mean, Josh Downs is a guy that the the more I see, the more I like. Um, I think in terms of second round prospects, he's he's one of my favorites right now. Okay, so can I I'll give you a little bit of pushback, right? Because again, I, I haven't watched a lot of Josh Downs, but I, I know what a lot of people are gonna say, which is this has got this guy's five ten. He's 170 pounds. He's 175 pounds soaking wet. He's probably going to play around 170 pounds. Um, and again, he ran a 4.48, which is, it's not great. You know, like when you're that size, man, you got to break that no, four yeah. five barrier, right? So like 4.48 is not good. Um, so he's a below, it is very fair to say he's a below average athlete overall. Now, what little I have seen of Josh Downs, freaking great route runner, though. Good Lord. Yeah. Like the guy absolutely has got the choppy feet. He's got the, 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 the swivel hips, man. Like he's fluid. He's smooth. So he plays. I get it. He plays faster than his his overall speed. Uh, but I think it is also fair to say, and this is where the pushback comes in, which is athleticism does matter in the NFL, though, man. And so I, I just wonder how much do you think that will you know, slow him down, if at all. I know that he smoked his three cone and was incredible at his pro day. Um, and I think that's more of his game. He's not a long speed guy. He's not necessarily going to beat you over the top, although he does win at the catch point. He's a tough contested catch uh, receiver, which I think is is going to be pretty surprising when people see that part of him. But um, I do think he kind of reminds me maybe, and this is definitely a weight-based comp, um, I, I think like from a Marquise Brown perspective, he could be that type of player. Mm. Um, I, I think that's probably a fair comp for him. Another guy that I know that, uh, of course, you know, Marquise Brown weighed in like 166 uh, when he was com- coming off uh, an injury at his combine. He probably plays closer to that, like 170, 175 range, maybe even 180. You know, maybe Josh Downs could get up to 180 at some point. But um, yeah, I, I and I know that like Marquise Brown might not excite people, but for some reason, Marquise Brown's like the most disrespected receiver in the NFL. I saw the <laughs> NFL official NFL okay. account posted uh who like a graphic like who has the best wide receiver from the 2019 class and they included dk metcalf terry mclaurin aj brown debo samuel deontay johnson and then hunter fucking renfro over marquise brown 
like Marquise Brown was the first round. He was the first pick in that draft. And like you're 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 putting Hunter Renfro on this graphic over Marquise Brown, who's like wow. had a thousand yards before, was good in Arizona last year over a guy is compared to a guy who couldn't beat out Matt Collins for a starting spot oh, last year. Oh, Give hey. me a break. Marquise Brown, I think if that's who Josh Downs <laughs> ends up being, I think it would be a pretty good comp for him. And and I think um, you know, from a zone beating perspective, uh 84% for Josh Downs in this three game sample. That's pretty similar to like Marquise Brown's biggest strengths as well. That's interesting, man. So, uh, yeah, so no, I think he's a, he's certainly an interesting prospect. Um, again, you, you love what you see on the game tape, the highlights and all that kind of stuff. It's just his measurables, man. Oh my gosh. I did not realize he was so small. He's really small. I didn't think he was going to oh be that goodness. small either. That was surprising to me. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, when I saw, when I saw some of the clips on him, I'm like, oh, okay. I, you know, he looks, he looks great, you know, but again, when you measure in that light, man, oh my gosh. And you know, and you know, by the way, I mean, come on, man. Like, you know, he bulked up for that. right? So <laughs> it's like, you know, he bulked up. That's as, that's as big as he's going to be. That's as fast as he's going to be, man. Uh, and you know, these things about Josh Downs out of North Carolina, man. So I, I'm, I, I am a little bit concerned there, obviously, um, as that is my, you know, part of my brand, I guess, is like looking at these kind of things and, uh, and figuring that out. But no, but to your point though, Matt, I, I, I was very actually pleasantly surprised, uh, by his, uh, his separation. Um, and I can absolutely see why he's going to be a Matt Harmon guy, but yeah, interesting dude, right. Uh, in terms of his draft capital, where he goes. And I think his landing spot is going to be hugely important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Um, I like that Carolina suggestion 39th overall, I think that's sort of the range he's going to live in uh, is like maybe that second round range, but just because, yeah, the measurables aren't there, but the, but the gameplay really is. And, you know, this yeah. is a league where you need three good receivers. And, and if you need somebody to get open, I think Josh Downs is going to be that guy. All right, there you go. Okay. So uh, that is Josh Downs from North Carolina, intriguing prospects uh, in the mind of Matt Harmon, but uh, the big boys uh, in this draft class, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnston, uh, and Zay Flowers. I, I think it's fair to say those are your big four. Uh, Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee, also an interesting prospect too, but I, I think uh, those four guys that I mentioned there, JSN, Addison, Johnston, and Flowers, I think those guys have a real chance Um going somewhere in the first round one of those dudes probably going to go in the top 15 picks and then you know uh, there'll be some other guys that will also flirt in that first round but um don't give it to him yet matt but in next week's episode (laughs) next week's episode uh matt is going to break down his thoughts uh on all of these guys going into the draft where he would like to see them end up and what is the axis of player what what buckets as he says what what bucket of player uh, do these guys fit into uh, and what are the skills that they possess uh, that could t- potentially turn them into stars in the NFL? All right. So, but that's it for our show for this week. But again, uh, if this is your first time listening to us, man, like, and subscribe to the podcast, man, that would be very much appreciated. And of course, go check out the website, receptionperception.com. All right. For Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. We'll see you.